What is happening, everybody? Welcome to Off the Rails, a recovery podcast dedicated to ending the stigma of addiction through open discussion on all things recovery related. My name is Mark. With me always is Dave. And today we have a very special guest. Yeah, our uh, our next guest has been sober for uh, over just over a year now. Uh, she loves to travel and also a big fan of dogs. Uh, we have Cassie Pyers on the show here for us today. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I love what you're doing with this podcast. It's an honor. Yeah, Cassie, thank you so much for joining us. And, uh, you know, it's it's people that are able to join us and share their story that, you know, we're trying to make a difference and trying to be able to connect to people. Um, so we, we really appreciate you joining us today. And, um, you know, what we do most times is we have our guests kind of share their story, um, their struggle with addiction, and, you know, what's been working for them in recovery and in hopes that someone listens and we're able to make a difference. Love it. Yep. So first off, you were just telling us you are in Austin. I am. I'm currently in Austin, Texas. So uh, my sobriety date is November 26, 2021. So yeah, I did just celebrate a year, which was amazing. I was actually down in Mexico um, with uh, my best friend and, and my boyfriend. Um, but I live in Austin now. I just moved here in August from L.A., where I was for about eight years. Um, I uh, am going through a divorce right now. Um, so I was out, I moved out there from New York City, uh, where I was for another about eight years. Um, but I'm originally from Boston, New England. So I've been living, and I lived in Austin the first time about 10 years ago for a year. So I've kind of been all over the place. Nice. Cass, before we get into your story, can you tell us about that? That trip, maybe, how was that? Was that your first time traveling to somewhere like Mexico sober? It actually wasn't. I went, to, I've been now to Playa del Carmen, which is where we were twice since getting sober. Um, the first time was in December for a month. And that was a little challenging just because I um, now realize I suffer from um, anxiety. So I was like really raw um you know just having entered sobriety a month prior I was definitely like raw dog in life on that trip um and then I went back to Playa for the entire month of February of this year 2022 um because my husband and I separated and it was a cheap place to live and I got lucky and found this amazing group there um, of sober English speaking expats and just had a wonderful month. So I didn't go to Playa del Carmen for my sober birthday. My best friend said, hey, I want to go somewhere warm for Thanksgiving. Do you want to go to Playa? And when I started, when we started to plan it, I, I thought to myself, oh, this will be perfect. I'll see see the people I celebrated my three month with and spent a whole, you know, the month of February. So it was great. Um, and not hard at all because my best friend, uh, is, um, not, not one of us, but is, uh, reconsidering her relationship with alcohol, let's say. And so she, um, hardly had anything to drink the entire trip. My boyfriend's been sober for almost six years. He's, um, 
really involved in sobriety. So it was great. Awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Um, so let's get started right at the beginning. Um, what was life like for you growing up in Boston? Yeah, so I lived in a in a suburb about 25 minutes north of Boston. I had a I had a good childhood. I had a really great childhood, honestly. Um, but I I my father is an alcoholic. Uh and while you know he was not abusive, um, you know, verbally or physically. He was more just sort of like a grumpy drunk and a sloppy drunk and was kind of drunk every day, like morning, noon and night. Um, you know, it, it could have definitely been worse, uh, you know, but other than that, I, you know, my parents, I, I for the all intents and purposes, grew up as an only child because my half brother and sister are are older than me and lived elsewhere. So uh, lots of friends in the neighborhood, um, parents really took care of me from an education and travel perspective. So, um, no complaints. I just, I grew up around an alcoholic and for that reason, um, I stayed away from alcohol, uh, and anything else, um, for a long time. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really drink. I was straight edge in high school. I do have a quick question. Yeah. Um, so like when I, when I grew up, like addiction was in my family and fairly common. And, you know, you mentioned that your father, you know, suffered from alcoholism. Um, was there ever a conversation had with you say like talking about addiction and perhaps that you were more at risk for, for it? No, because my dad, um, when he finally stopped drinking, which was after, um, college I think he did it dry he didn't he didn't have a program um that he was working it was just a program of abstinence which is fine I'm just grateful uh that he got sober uh but you know he would he would say like my friend and I my friend and I joke to each other we always say like don't get too hammered because my dad would always that would be his advice every time I came home and like went out to the bars. He'd be like, "Don't be too hammered." But they really—I didn't like drinking around my family. It's like it was—I was slow to start drinking, and then I did not want to drink in front of my family for a long time, like into my like mid twenties. And it really wasn't until my thirties, you know, the progressive nature of alcohol, that my drinking was to the point where my parents even noticed anything was wrong. And I honestly, as far as I know they didn't really think anything was wrong, wrong, or that it was definitely alcoholism until the last couple of months of my drinking career back in um, 2021. So no, we never, we haven't had the conversation yet. I would like to, because I would love for my dad to like have some closure about alcoholism and understand the way that I came to understand that yes, we also are blessed with lots of mental health, um, you know, challenges as well in my family, but it's not the depression that wreaked all of this havoc. It's, or the anxiety or anything else, it's the alcohol. Soon as the alcohol was removed, do we still have struggles? Of course, but it's nothing like what it was. Do you remember growing up, like at what age you started to recognize 
it was your dad had an issue with with drinking you know like did you start to observe it and be like okay it's the drinking that makes him this way versus maybe not knowing yeah and I learned that from my mom you know my mom was constantly checking to see if my dad was sober um, or drunk I should say and calling him out for being drunk and so I learned that behavior and I came to, you know, understand that when my dad was acting kind of sleepy or slurring his words or, you know, um, he was always really punctual, like way too early. Like, oh my gosh, we'd be going to gym class at like one o'clock and everyone would be like, hi, Mr. Byers. And he'd be in his car like an hour and a half before school was over, just waiting. And maybe that was a coping mechanism for his alcoholism looking back. Uh, but he did miss a few things a few times. And it was kind of embarrassing because other kids were involved. There were times where I knew he was driving myself um, and others uh, when he shouldn't you know, but I came to find out in adulthood how common that is. Uh, and so I don't, I don't blame him, especially, you know, back at the time, not that I'm that old, but, you know, like growing up drinking while driving um, was okay for a bit uh, for him, for him, not, not in my generation. So uh, yeah, I would just notice when he was kind of acting grumpy or whatever, um, it was either that or it was he, he was on so many prescription medications for anxiety and depression and bipolar and all of that. So, um, yeah, it I, I don't remember what age, but it was it was definitely. I don't know, it could have been as early as um, eight and as late as maybe like 10 or 11 when I really realized that it was alcohol. So Cassie, you mentioned in high school you were you were kind of straight edge. Um, do you want to kind of tell us about your like, first experience with with alcohol? Yeah. So, um, so I have like three kind of. It's like a three pronged thing. So the very first, actually four, very first time with alcohol, we tried a little bit of my mom for whatever reason. I was like twelve or thirteen, probably thirteen. My mom, for whatever reason, offered it, offered um, a little bit of Kahlua to my best friend, Jana and I, I think it was Jana, maybe it was Mary Beth, I don't remember. Um, and it was just like, okay, this is kind of gross. Uh, second time was in eighth grade. Uh, I wanted to flirt with a boy. My friends wanted beer. And so I took one for the team and um you know got the attention of some guy I mean I shudder to think how old this person was because I was 13 or 12 um I don't remember and um whatever he, he ended up giving us beer and I had a little bit of beer and I was like oh this is gross to this day I mean I, I've never been able to stand like light beer because that's one of my dad's he had vodka which you can't smell and I learned that that's a common drink of alcoholics and then um light beer would just like whenever I would smell that in the house it was just uh, so much PTSD um so then the third time was I went to Aruba with my parents and my boyfriend at the time and we went on a party bus I was 15 and they let us drink I don't know why I decided to try it because I was very straight edge um but you know what I became much more emboldened in my straight edge right after this boyfriend and that was at the end of our relationship 
And, and it was hard, like going back in my mind when I started, uh, this journey thinking like, how did I even get into this? Um, and it was, I think how it happened is I, I hated drinking and alcohol. And this boyfriend that I just referenced who I met when I was 14, we dated for a long time. He was like my first everything. He started drinking and I hated it and we would fight about it. And then we broke up. It was this heartbreaking thing. And then my friend started dating him after it was this big dramatic foolishness for many years in high school. Um, but I, I met someone while working who, so I went to a private all girl Catholic school and I, but I worked at McDonald's. And so I met this really cute guy who I thought was totally out of my league and come to find out he felt the same way about me. And anyway, he was sober and all of his friends were sober. So I found like, just as all of my like social group was kind of warming up to the idea of alcohol and starting to like drink here and there and hiding it from me because I know I didn't like it. I found a boyfriend who was equally passionate about sobriety and all of his friends were too. So now I have this group that I hang out with half the time that's straight edge. And so it became a part of my screen name. It was part of my identity. I was just like beating that drum that drugs and alcohol are the worst thing, even pot, terrible. It's just a gateway drug. And then, um, and then I broke up with that boyfriend and started dating another guy in his band. And both of us kind of like started to go, I don't know, should we, should we try drinking? And then I started visiting friends in college. I was a, a senior in high school at this point. And then it wasn't off to the races, but I definitely started to enjoy the benefits of alcohol, realizing that it made me funnier in my mind. It made me prettier. It made me sexier. It made me a better dancer, you know, all of these things. And so that slowly progressed into what became excessive drinking in um, freshman year of college. So what does your college resume look like then with uh, is it just non nonstop at that point? Then? Um, so I had, I worked a lot in college, so it wasn't nonstop but I definitely drank too much when I drank uh, to the point where at um, one in incident in freshman year, uh, a guy on our floor who was kind of like the big brother, like the guy you'd least expect to, um, you know, be anything but a big teddy bear, took advantage of me when I was uh, blackout drunk. Like I was just getting ready in my room, but I was already blacked out drunk just getting ready. And I woke up to a pretty disturbing um, thing. And uh, luckily my friends kind of had an inkling what was happening. So my door was locked. They were banging on the door and that was enough to stop him. And so, yeah, I, I started to, um, I started just drinking more and more, really enjoying being drunk, being excited to get drunk you know, drinking like became part of my identity. I remember like my aim and I'm showing my age, my aim status messages being like getting pretty to get shitty, you know, like it was the thing we wanted to get fucked up. Um, that was the goal. We weren't, we weren't casual drinkers, but it really wasn't until my twenties where I, you know, there were definitely problems and I had to apologize a bunch of times in college 
but it was just kind of like, oh, whatever. It's college. That's what people do. You know, it was so normalized, the drama. It re I really didn't start um, getting into trouble, meaningful trouble with friends and work until my 20s. All right. I'm, I'm ready to hear about the 20s. <laughs> the roaring 20s of my alcohol and debauchery. Uh, so in college, I started to smoke weed with everyone else because it was just the thing to do. And I liked it, but I was never, I never, thank God, I never like was addicted to it. I never had to smoke. I smoked because my boyfriend and all of his friends and all of my friends in college smoked. And so I would smoke at parties. And then in my 20s, I met someone at my first job. So I've been in advertising and marketing agency life since I was 20, since I was 22. So I have a 15 year career in account management and business development um, in the context of ad agencies and um, talk about, talk about, uh, <laughs> talk about normalizing excessive drinking that culture um so yeah i got a boyfriend who i dated for about three years in the same industry and he was an excessive drinker and um smoked weed but i wouldn't i don't think he's one of us um but we definitely drank to excess with our friends and there would be drama mainly because he and i were not um a perfect match but i started to i i the first moment where i had a real wake-up call and was maybe one of the only moments in my life other than when i got sober for good last year i was 25 i think and um i went out after work for dinner with friends and drank margaritas pretty close to the office then i was taking a long weekend uh, to go camping and had some work that I wanted to finish before I went because my job was really demanding. And so I thought it was a great idea after having a bunch of margaritas to go back into the office, um, thinking like, oh, nobody's there. It's eight o'clock, you know, or nine o'clock, whatever time it was. And I went to my desk and started doing work and I passed out. And the global head of C of HR was in the building and found me and the next thing i know i don't even really know i i think i do remember kind of coming to in the lobby like crying with they called my boss's boss and she came into the office this is like 9 30 now or something like that at night and my I, I don't even remember where she lived but it wasn't down the street um, so she probably had to take a subway or a cab. It was a mess. And my boyfriend also came and it was just incredibly embarrassing. I got to work early every day for the next couple of weeks. I took the stairs. I wanted to avoid everybody. And then finally, like the head of the MasterCard account that I was working on took me in her office and said, girl, <laughs> you are lucky you're good at your job. Because I got a call the other night, you know, when this happened, asking like, who is this girl? And I said, she's a star on my team. Um, she's really good at her job. She just said to me, like, you know, we all drink. I mean, I remember she had this rager at her house out on Long Island at one point. I mean, I look back at the pictures now. We all like cringe looking at the picture. Every once in a while, Facebook reminds us and we're like, oh, my God. Um, and she's like, look, we all, we all do it. The normalization piece. 
Um, but don't be that girl, the shame piece, which is what my industry and many industries love to do. They love to pump you with alcohol and then they love to judge you for it. And this happened a couple more times at a couple of other agencies where I would do something um, embarrassing and get used to it. But then I just started finding agencies where everyone was just as big of a drinker as me, you know, and bosses that drink as much as I did or more. Um, and uh, yeah, just, and, you know, filled my life with what some people call, um, I don't want to say that actually, because I think it's really unnecessarily disparaging, but I just found people who either shared my behaviors or were even worse to validate what I was doing. So my 20s was just a slow, oh, but I forgot to mention. So when that first incident happened um, and that woman spoke to me and said, don't be that girl, I gave up drinking for maybe like two months and I smoked pot. And then I went to Mexico to find myself alone. I took a solo trip. Um, and what I found were Norwegians who did a bunch of drugs and introduced me to those drugs. And by the time I came back, all of my friends in, in New York had also been dabbling in, in some light party favors, let's say. Nothing, you know, crazy, nothing black tar or anything like that. So, yeah. So my 20s just kind of, it was a cycle of like, you know, definitely feeling that people were, were a little bit like, mm you know, friends, certain friends, like kind of breaking away, but I just blamed it on, oh, well, they're getting married and having kids and we're just in different phases of our lives. Like I'm still having fun. I don't want that. You know, this is just about us kind of wanting different things. Um, and when my drinking would cause these problems and I would, you know, fall into these depressions and there'd be arguments or embarrassing moments or whatever, I always blamed it on mental illness. I always blamed it on depression, but I had trouble because of my depression getting to the doctor. And so like I would be on Prozac, then I'd be off of it for a while. Then I'd go back on it, then I'd be off of it. And just, I got it in my head that I'm just sad. I'm just broken. This is just me. And yeah, alcohol doesn't help, but I never really realized that alcohol was the problem until the day I got sober, which was again, um, November 27th of, of 2021 or 26 sorry november 26 of 2022 20 Jesus, Mary and Joseph. <laughs> you get it <laughs> we're 26 2021 gotcha yes i need to step to it yeah see, looking back on those um like those early on those that incident that happened you wish that i mean it probably wouldn't have changed anything but if it would have been a little bit more stricter with you as far as how they handle things that first time that would have done anything or if they would have initiated some kind of um I don't want to say program for you to go into but like taking a little more seriously that would have done anything or do you think at that time it really you were just still young and not ready anyway it's hard I'm looking so yeah um I'm so glad you asked that because I was thinking about that earlier today as I was um you know preparing for this I go back and forth a part of me wishes that um, people did an intervention on me long, long time ago, because um, I am a people pleaser. And uh, if I felt like I was going to lose everything, then I probably would have done anything. But at the same time, I think about how successful thus far I've been with sobriety. And I 
there were no court orders or, you know, um, ultimatums from uh, anyone or even, you know, I mean, Jesus, my husband and I were in couples counseling for a year and our counselor asked if drinking was a problem in general for our relationship. And we said that, yeah, we, t I mean, we definitely tend to get annoyed with each other. Um, like we have those, you know, major blowouts when we're drinking, but my husband never said, I think you have a drinking problem. And I absolutely did. And I had uh, problems with other substances as well, or at least one substance that's very common in New York and LA. So I go back and forth. I think, you know, when I, when people ask me, cause I'm very vocal about my sobriety from day, literally day one, I've been vocal about my sobriety on, um, on Instagram and on Facebook. And so I've had a lot of people reach out to me, which has been amazing. And some people have gotten sober and, and say that I inspired them, which is amazing because I remind them their sobriety also keeps me sober. And we basically did it at the same time. We've only been sober for a year. And what I always say to people is, unfortunately, you only really get sober and recover when you really want it, I believe. I think the only difference between me and someone who is still struggling is that they're not ready. So I think if someone had forced me, potentially if someone forced me to enter sobriety, I'm not sure it would have stuck. I, I don't know. It's not reality. You know, my journey is my journey and I've come to accept uh, that I got sober at 36 and that's better than 37 or 47 or 57. And some people never get sober and some people die and some people end up in jail. And, and I'm, I'm so grateful that that didn't happen to me because I was definitely on the verge of, of going into those territories. So what was it that made uh, enough enough? Was it uh, one thing or was it? Um... No, it was, I mean, I, so I'd given up alcohol that one time for a couple of months. I had definitely had periods where I had messed up. And so I had to really watch my drinking for a while, but I never thought that I would ever give up drinking forever. It was, as far as I remember, I never thought that one day I would stop drinking altogether. I kind of thought about it, but it's just so ingrained in the culture of um, all of my environments, professional and personal. But man, the pandemic, I, I thought that I was okay in the pandemic, but you know, I really didn't drink at home. So alcoholics often um, have a lot of excuses for why they're not an alcoholic, right? Like I would say, well, I'm, you know, I've, I've got a high paying job or I'm a VP or I'm, you know, I've got a house, I'm married, I've got a bunch of friends, I've kept a bunch of friends for a long time. I you know, I look good. I'm not, you know, I don't have physical, whatever, like just laundry list of reasons why I can't um, be an alcoholic. And then, um, you know, so one of those things was I never really, I never drank at home. My husband and I, we didn't even really have wine with dinner ever. It's like alcohol was a social thing. But the problem is social things happened nearly every night a week at a certain point. But in the pandemic, you know, I lived in LA where we were shut down for two years. People, some people don't realize how long LA was shut down. And so I would travel, um, 
to get out of LA and, and I would, you know, obviously drinking was the centerpiece of, of everything I did, including, um, and especially travel, um, which I later realized my addiction to travel was also an addiction to escape, just like alcohol, but things started to get really bad, um, around, uh, probably, it probably started in, um, January of 2021 and just got progressively worse. Cause I started really upsetting people who never got upset by my drinking before I started crossing all sorts of new lines. Um, and I, I just did a number of, of things that I thought I would never do. And, um, and hurt people in ways that I never thought I could and, and, and put myself in dangers. I never thought I'd be in until my final drink, which was Thanksgiving. Um, but that was heading into Thanksgiving last year. I knew I told everybody that was at this party, um, this Thanksgiving, uh, affair that I was going to rehab. I thought I was, I was thought I was going to do rehab. Um, at, at the time, because I was drunk. Um, what preceded that was starting to drink, I think on like the Wednesday before Thanksgiving at around one o'clock at some fancy hotel bar in LA, started drinking with a, with a girlfriend. And we just went from bar to bar to bar to bar because we weren't working. And at first it was great. And some friends kind of rolled in throughout the day to join us and our party kept getting bigger and bigger. And at first I was so happy to see everybody and it was great. And then I just started going off that cliff as I, as I do. And, um, long story short, I woke up the next morning and found out that I had physically assaulted a friend of mine. We don't know if it was a push or, or a punch or a kick or whatever, but I did something to this friend when I was blacked out my husband, this never happens. My husband had to come and pick me up. I still to this day have actually, I've found out since where we were that night, but I had no idea at the time. Um, my husband had to come pick me up in the morning. So now this is Thanksgiving. I'm probably still drunk. And I go to a diner that will serve alcohol. I've never done this before. And then I go to our normal bar that I would go to during drinking hours after five, but I'm going in the morning of Thanksgiving and I got completely shit faced. By the way, I got, I got cut off at the diner for like, Oh no, you're not having a second one. <laughs> um, so I left and went to the bar and then I was just being obnoxious at the bar and it, it ended in me crying in the parking lot. My husband coming to pick me up for the second time in 24 hours and just saying, I can't do this anymore. And just kind of like a miracle from what I believe now is God or higher power, whatever the universe, whatever suits you was this idea that maybe this is all because of alcohol. Maybe this is maybe, maybe, um, alcohol is the problem. Um, and I was like, I, you know, I'm, I'm out of, I'm, I'm out of answers. Uh, my, the whole year as I was in couples therapy, I was also, it's also a little bit of personal therapy. And I'm thinking like, I just felt so stuck, Felt like I wasn't where I wanted to be, um, in life. I wasn't happy. I wasn't, um, growing how, you know, the way that I wanted to grow. I wasn't achieving the things I wanted to achieve. I just felt really stuck. Mm -hmm. 
And then I have this moment where I'm, I finally come to this belief that alcohol is the root of my problems. And I tell everybody I'm going to rehab. And then the morning of the uh, 26th of November, 2021, I watched three and a half hours of YouTube videos about sobriety and AA. My husband talked, my husband and I talked about it in the morning and we're like, maybe, maybe just AA because I didn't have, it wasn't one of those things where I need detox. I never drank that much where if I stopped drinking, I would die. You know, I wasn't drinking around the clock by any means. And, and, you know, some days I wouldn't drink at all. Um, sometimes there'd be a week where there were several days where I didn't drink, but when I drank it, you know, like, when I say I'm an alcoholic. It means when I drink, I, I can't stop. I pick up when I don't want to, or I have another one when I don't want to. And, um, when I start drinking, I don't know what's going to happen. I understand that now. I didn't then. So on the 26th, I watched a bunch of YouTube videos as I do, um, on sobriety and AA and all of that. And, um, I drove myself to two meetings and I went to two meetings a day for 90 days. So I did 180 meetings in 90 days. That's amazing. <laughs> do you still, yeah. uh, do you still attend meetings? I do. Um, so, uh, the, the gift of sobriety, gosh, my life changed for the better immediately in part because I recovered out loud. So everyone knew. So I had all of that encouragement and it was like this gigantic weight taken off of me. Like the benefits came immediately, but they continue over time. And I haven't even done the steps yet, but I did just get a sponsor here in Austin a couple of days ago and we're going to start working the steps um tomorrow. I'm I'm super excited about that. Uh but I didn't go to AA between um uh for several months. I got I <laughs> it's been a year. I've been going through a divorce. I hurt my ACL twice. I tear, t- hurt. I tore my ACL and had knee surgery twice. I've become very athletic in sobriety, which has been like me, an athlete, you know, oh yeah, you used to enjoy working out and skiing and biking and running and all of these things. And alcohol just totally got in the way of that. And it's like, I feel more like the 17 year old Cassie than I do the, um, even the 36 year old Cassie in active alcoholism. But so I was super into AA and then I got hurt and, you know, LA, just the AA scene. Um, I did meet some great people and it's great recovery in LA. It really is. But I have a very, I've come to understand that I have a very specific type of group that I like to be with. And I found a group like that in Mexico. And I found a group like that here in Austin. Um, I moved to Austin to be, to live a sober life more easily and enjoyably because my circle here, even though my circle here is not necessarily sober, um, it's not the main focus of anybody's life here. And um, everyone's super supportive. I had a tons of like longstanding girlfriends here, some guy friends as well. And then I met this amazing man who has been sober for almost six years. And he does, he does AA nearly every day. He's a, he's a sponsee and a sponsor. And he told me like, you know, he's dated people who aren't sober. Um, And he told me, you know, that he, he was just happy that I was sober and didn't think that he would ever really find, um, you know, active and the, you know, into traveling and da 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 and sober. So he was just happy I was sober. But um, I started to go to this sunrise meeting with him and I really felt at home with the group there and comfortable. And I started going to more of those and then more of the ones during the week at noon. I haven't been working because I've been on disability. Um, and so I've had a lot of time. 
And I have come to believe that the steps are worth trying because while my life has improved in basically every way you could possibly imagine since getting sober, I know because I've seen people who have done the steps, um, I know it can be even better. And I can, and again, just like getting sober, the first, like I got sober for me, but I also got sober for my family and my friends because I was driving them crazy. Um, and I know that I can be an even better daughter and partner and friend, sister, brother, cousin, niece, whatever, if I work some kind of program. And I, 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 I kind of dig what, what they have you do in the steps, you know, getting to inventory yourself and I've kind of, you know, like, I feel like I've already done steps one through three, but I will, of course, do whatever my sponsor asks me to do. But doing the inventory of my defects, doing the inventory of how I've harmed people, my resentments, making amends, and then, you know, having that conscious contact and, and being of service, um, I, I, I believe will enrich my life. So, um, so I have gotten much more involved with AA as of very recently and I'm happy to be back. That is amazing. Um, I had a quick question for you and you know, it was just American Thanksgiving. Uh, we got Christmas coming up. So this will be your second sober Christmas. Um, you know, what have you learned from say last Christmas that say, if you're new to sobriety, you can kind of use it to get you through the holidays. Cause that can be a tough time, right? Yeah, I think the number like so drinking, we drink to to cope with something, right? We drink to solve some sort of inner malady. We're feeling anxious, we're feeling lonely, we're bored, we're tired or well, I don't know. Um whatever, the list goes on and on. We do it because it it it's a solution to something. So, I tell people first and foremost like one of the one of the best things you can do in sobriety is really get used to sitting with yourself, enjoying your alone time and realizing that your alone time can sometimes be a safe space. So if you're at a party and you're feeling like you can't enjoy yourself without a drink, leave the party. And I also really highly recommend people are as open about their sobriety as possible because I promise that everyone in your in your life, even the ones who who you know are are the biggest drinkers themselves or whatever, I, like I have not received any pushback from anyone in my life. There was one person who's an idiot that's like an acquaintance. I was like, oh well, you're gonna have a drink when you come visit me in Vegas, and I was like, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so you know, go like go to bed if you're tired, you know, go home. If you're bored or anxious, call another alcoholic. If you're bored or anxious, get on a virtual meeting. You know, if you're, if you're feeling squirrely, go to a meeting in person. If you're feeling squirrely, like go be around other alcoholics who are talking about recovery and sobriety. If, if you can like share with your friends and family, what's, what's kind of going on. And, and, um, you know, so you don't feel like you are, you know, letting anyone down or being whatever. Um, and then also just uh, try to make connections during that time. Um, 
try to be with family or a friend or AA. I mean, man, I went to so many meetings on Christmas and Christmas Eve alone um, because my husband and I had separated. He actually decided to uh, leave the marriage just a couple, just a few weeks after I got sober. It had, and our marriage problems, by the way, had nothing to do with drinking. Um, but, um, but my problems and how, what I contributed, uh, in terms of like my faults in, in the marriage were definitely fueled by alcohol. So I guess, you know, whatever it was just, anyway, I spent Christmas Eve with, with friends that would have me and it was very different, you know, and I was very humbled to, be welcomed into another, you know, couple's home um, with their son and and friend, but it was nice. And then I went, you know, I went home. I went to bed when I was done. And then the next day, I went to a bunch of meetings. I spent, you know, a little bit of time with friends, and then I went to bed early again. So, um, just call it quits when you know when you're um when you're not feeling it, and uh, go to bed. <laughs> In sobriety now, are you, you talked about that. And that alone time, be happy with yourself. Were you surprised? Because you're such, you seem like you were such a social person, you know, back when you were drinking and whatnot. Are you surprised with how okay you are with your alone time and didn't think that'd ever be possible? Or? You asked the best questions, both of you, <laughs> because this is really important. Um, I discovered finally, I knew probably, no, that's not true. At a certain point, I knew I also had this like social addiction. And I realized in sobriety, I got to the root of it. I was using time with, with friends. So now I'm going to kind of a little bit contradict what I just said, um, which I realized was already sort of a contradiction, like go home and be cool being alone and go to sleep, but make connections and be with friends and family. It's just kind of like finding that balance. But for me, I realized why was I, why did I have to always be surrounded by friends or my husband or whoever? I realized I was using the company of others to validate my behavior and myself. So if people were around me, they wanted to be around me. If people wanted to be around me, then I'm okay. I don't have, you know, I'm, I'm, I can rest assured that I'm okay. And that feeling just like alcohol would only last until I went to bed. And then the next day it's like all over again, I need to control the situation like we do alcoholics and make, you know, these social plans happen and, and, um, sometimes force people to spend time with me because that was my way of coping. So once I stopped drinking and everyone knew that I was in recovery and I was serious about this and all of that, I started to become, um, I started to feel a self-love and a self-pride that I never thought was possible. I thought this whole self-love self-pride thing was not possible for me because I'm broken. I'm depressed. I had this and that happen when I was a kid and I had this and that happened at other points in my life and I'm weird and whatever. I'm never going to have, that's just self-love and self and, and all of that stuff is for other people. It's not for me. And when I got sober, I started to become so comfortable with myself that I didn't need to constantly be around other people and seek that validation. I could just rest and recharge and do what I want to do and um, still enjoy time with friends and, and family. But not like use it the way that I used alcohol. That was a sweet answer. <laughs> so good. Thank you. Um, great question. When you look or like when you like reflect on say like you just mentioned depression and your anxiety, when you reflect back on like that compared when you were drinking, 
when you look at it now over the past year, can you see like a major difference in yourself? Oh, from when I was drinking to now? Yeah, yeah. That's me as a person, how I am. Totally, yeah. total. Sorry, totally, totally different. I mean, in every way. Kind of like I alluded to, I feel, I feel like I went in a time machine back to when I was seventeen, where I have hobbies and interests again, mm-hmm. where I feel a sense of pride when I speak and when I meet new people and when I'm in the company of people I respect. You know, so my boyfriend's thing is he's an ultra marathon runner. So he went, he, and he was always a runner, but now he's an ultra marathon runner, which for anyone who doesn't know is, um, is like races between like 35 and a hundred miles or maybe more. I, I can't even imagine. Um, cause he ran for 28 hours one night and that was one day and night and that was a hundred miles. Um, my thing you know, I had, I got, I rediscovered skiing and I rediscovered biking and I got into indoor bouldering. Now, both skiing and indoor bouldering led to ACL surgeries, but I'm on the mend and I'm actually going to be okay. Like I should be cleared to run um, in a couple of weeks. And then, you know, by sometime middle to third, you know, third quarter of next year, I should be able to um, start start um preparing to ski and and to boulder again and things like that i've given up all of that stuff and i was just i you know if you looked at my instagram uh a little bit over a year ago you would see that i described myself as a hedonist i thought that my my identity is i i used to always describe it as i'm not motivated by achievements like running a marathon or whatever um I'm motivated. I just want to enjoy everything that life has to offer. Food, wine, liquor, travel, concerts, experiences. I just want to soak it all in. And now, yeah, I still um I still enjoy traveling and I still thankfully enjoy, you know, entertainment, concerts, comedy, all of that. But um I'm really passionate about sport and fitness and my physicality. Um Dude, I have abs for the first time. I have like a six pack, not to brag, but I do like, I, I, I'm saying it because I want to motivate people. Like that is a thousand percent abstinence from alcohol, um, you know? And uh, yeah. So am I different? How does it compare? It's like, there's no comparison. I'm like, you know, my friends say like, oh, well, you were always great. Now you're just greater at those things. But I, I, I feel like a completely different person. Uh, I had a question for you. Uh, and it might be similar to one of your other answers, but is there any advice you can give someone that you talk about the industry kind of you're in? And I think there's a lot of other industries that maybe are like that where, you know, the drinking is so heavily involved with uh, like right after work hours or, even in the office at the end of days, is there some advice you give someone that's like newly getting into the business that, you know, you could kind of may think they have an issue or, uh, or signs look out for, you know what I mean? No, that's great. And actually I'm going to, I'm going to steal one from your previous guest, Madeline. I really enjoyed, um, her episode. We have a lot of similarities. Uh, she said, watch out for, 
you know, if your personality changes when you drink, that's something to watch out for. And I never really thought about that until now. Um, Cause that's a big sign that you're using alcohol versus drinking alcohol, right? Like drinking alcohol, having one or two a night, just enjoying the taste, like just getting a little hint of a, of a buzz and, and being totally fine with stopping um, is fine. Right. But if you're, if, if you're becoming different and liking it and that's why you're drinking or that's part of why you're drinking, that's a problem. That's something to watch for. And that's enough reason to, um, to get on YouTube. Like I would say like we've, we're so fortunate now for there to be such amazing content like this podcast, um, like the off the rails podcast and like other, so many, um, you know, videos and, and websites and blogs and things online listen, listen to just research sobriety, research, alcoholism, alcohol use disorder, listen to other people's stories. Um, see if you can identify. And if you can, you, you probably have a problem. One in nine American, um, I realize this is a Canadian podcast, but one in nine American, um, employees have an alcohol use disorder, whether that's like full-blown alcoholism or something a little bit grayer. The other thing I would just say is like, if you, if, if you feel like you're getting to this point where like, you just have to moderate, right? Like I'm just going to moderate and I'm just going to start moderating. I firmly believe that if you could moderate, you would have already been moderating. Um, I just think that alcoholism is that common where, um, if you are someone who has struggled and not really quite been able to drink in moderation, try it by all means, try it. But if you can't do it, it's just, it's really easier to, it, I, it, it's not easy at first, but, um, it's easier in the long run to just not do it at all. Um, and you realize that you can have fun and, you know, you know, it might take a little bit for your personality to come back for you to feel comfortable for you to develop other coping mechanisms for anxiety or boredom, you know, fear, loneliness, whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, I would, so I would say just like, start with, start with researching on your own and watching some videos. Um, if you can like talk to other people, check out, you know, research some programs, obviously there's AA, but there's other ones and just, um, take some time to think about it, but also, you know, everyone kind of does it on their own time. And when it comes to work, I would just say like, um, it's definitely, um, you know, I won't lie. Drinking with coworkers is obviously promoted by a lot of industries and, and employers, but it's never going to be a good look to be wasted and, you know, uh, offend other people or, you know, worry other people or have anxiety about what you said before. So, you know, if, if you feel like, oh my God, I just found out this agency in Austin in 2014 moved, relocated their office into a bar and has been in a bar ever since. I'm like horrified by this. If you're in that kind of a situation, like um, you can talk to HR, like HR is a safe place. They can't punish you. Um, and, and people are actually starting to 
not to scare anyone, but like I just heard of some guy who won a case against his former employee because he was essentially fired because he wouldn't participate in the social events that were all centered around alcoholism and he won. So I think there's a movement starting where, you know, and I've been really open in, in my profession um, on LinkedIn and with my coworkers about my sobriety. I think there is a movement because of the pandemic and how how much that, you know, exacerbated people's existing drinking problems. And it's just, it's a really great time to get sober, I would say, but anytime is a great time to get sober. Cassie, my last question for you is, what does the future hold for you? I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. And I am, that's one of the gifts of sobriety as well as being comfortable with turning it over. And um, for me, letting uh, letting God, letting the universe, letting higher power, whatever, run the show and being okay with that uncertainty. But I know for sure, as long as I'm sober, I'm going to live the best life. So no matter what, nothing, there's nothing that alcohol um, or drugs would positively contribute to so what the future holds for me hopefully is sobriety and as long as I'm sober man that's a gift um and I've just come to accept that I can't control everything that's an alcoholic behavior and um if I just kind of let things happen and I read the signs and I think about like what is the right next action and do whatever that right next thing is I'll be okay. And, you know, I can have this whole long list of what I hope will happen, but the most healthy thing for me, what helps keep me sober is not worrying too much about the future and um, just focusing on what's the right next thing. It's awesome getting your story out there because, you know, I think like you said earlier, someone on the outside might look at, you know, as being successful and well put together and all this and maybe not have an issue. And even when you talk about, you know, the, the stereotype of an alcoholic that drinks every day, you know, that wasn't what you were doing necessarily, but I think a lot of people maybe don't think they are because they aren't drinking every day, but you know, yeah, I just think it's awesome hearing your story. So thank you for coming on and sharing. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, again, like if you're, if you're drinking when you don't want to, if you're having trouble stopping, moderating, if you're running into situations where you regret things that you did, like that is plenty to be any one of those things is enough to seriously reconsider your relationship with alcohol. Cassie, thanks again for joining us guys, everyone listening. Um, you can follow Cassie's journey um, on our Instagram. It's down in the link below. Um, and if you or someone you know struggling, please reach out and ask for help. Thank you.